A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. We have to understand God rightly to know him intimately. It is the gospel that orients my thinking on every other issue. You can know if you're trusting in Jesus that every single atom in this universe is working for your good. That's why I'm sticking with Jesus. Not because he always does what I want him to do. I'm sticking with Jesus because I just haven't found any better alternative. Hey guys, welcome to episode 69 of the Black Berea podcast. It's Dami here and I am sitting down with, or virtually should I say, sitting down with Gabby. Israel. And... Oh. <laughs> Israel. <laughs> it's always a bit of an awkward one where you're doing these kind of virtual meetings and yeah. you're kind of waiting for the person yeah. to pick up on the phone. Um, I think we are all Zoomed and virtual called out for, for the for the year. Amen. But we are about 10 <laughs> days out from the new year and four days out from Christmas. So, um, guys, thank you for joining me for this week's episode. How are you both? You get Israel. <laughs> well, I was like, to I'm just going to go first. Literally, I should just go, okay, I'm just going to prompt to each individual. Yeah, there's no having... eye contact. There's no eye contact. So, yeah, yeah, it's just your computer. But, yeah, okay, Israel, you go first. How are you, bro? I've been good. I've been good. I uh, finished the term for seminary uh last week is that even correct yeah that is correct wow um and so i have been trying to like just wrap up a few things and trying to enjoy um what is the christmas break um it's been pretty pretty calm live on campus for for those who aren't aware and so it's basically like a dead zone because obviously with COVID and lockdown, there's just no going out anywhere. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like eerily quiet and just chill, but trying to soak that in, I guess. Yeah. How about you guys? That doesn't, that doesn't sound to me like the American Christmases I grew up dreaming about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, where... Snowing. I guess where you are oh. kind of also dictates that too, right? You're, you're yeah. not going to get around this time of year, no? No, unfortunately not. A little bit more north, like Chicago and Minneapolis would be more so that. St. Louis okay. doesn't really get snow until like mid-January. Um, okay. Which is, yeah, it's like the worst time to get snow, really. But And Gabby, how how, how are you? How's uh, your Christmas prep for the end of year? You've actually, this is a very funny day to have caught me on. I think anyone who's listened to the podcast for the last two episodes are going to be like, this girl is really going through Queen of the Struggle bus out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, tier four in London. Lol. Um, and if you've not clocked by now, I'm actually not from London. I'm from Manchester. So Christmas plans have been low-key scuppered. No. Yeah, real, real, the, real, real talk. You did the 12am rush at St Pancras. Did I go and um, join a, a carriage of people to go and be breathed on and breathe <laughs> on others? I certainly did not. Loki. I didn't even think. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't Loki. It wasn't because I was trying to avoid people breathing at me. I just didn't think. I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. me, I can dive. It's fine. I can duck and dive. The police ain't nothing. Um, and get back to Manchester. But really, actually thinking about it, I said that's not wise. That's a very silly thing to be trying to do. So it's actually looking like I'm in London for Christmas. Okay. Um. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Trying to get back to Manchester would have been a bit of a higgy haggy one. Because you, mm. obviously, if they were to stop me on the way then, the way back, that's a 400 hit. Now, could you be able to take a 400 hit? Maybe small, low-key, I could have taken it. So, okay, it's what it is. 
But more yeah. than that, I actually live, my grandma lives with us in Manchester. And so I'm really trying to take COVID strain 2.0 London COVID back oh, yeah, to Manchester. I'm not telling you nuclear COVID to, to my grandmother's households for them to beat me later. So no, thank you. So yes, yeah, so, no, so I'm officially as of today actually officially in London for Christmas, right, which has okay. been its own little its own little interesting emotional roller coaster. Um, mm. Yeah, but yeah, but I think for this yeah, for it is what it is. Praise the Lord, we're alive, mm. we're safe. Lots of interesting lessons to learn. Just being away from home for the first time ever. For Christmas, okay. very interesting, like little thing to be processing. Um, mm. So yeah, very interesting. There you yeah, me I, <laughs> time, yeah, no, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. Perhaps this is the year. I've got a small family anyway, mm. but perhaps this is the least Christmas cheer I've felt Hundreds. in a long, long time. Yeah, um, <laughs> and given given the way the year's been, mm. I've been saying that I've been so thankful for the amount of time. I've got to like spend with my parents and stuff like that because probably in the last kind of five to 10 years, I don't think I've had so much contact with them um, as I have done in the last kind of six to six to nine months. Um, but the kind of, I spend Christmas as somebody who, who does it with my kind of immediate family and then I'm seeing friends and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so all of that is completely scrapped this year. Mm. Um, obviously with, with, with good, with good reason, but it does kind of, I don't want to say bring a dampener, because like you said, there are things to be thankful for. So so thank God for them. But um, Christmas just doesn't appear the same. Like we've got, not that we're, we're heavily into Christmas, but there's no Christmas tree. I think there's one present. Um, and I know it's not for me, so I'm even side-eyeing. It's the ones there. But I'm yeah. even, I'm certain some people f- like fled to St. Pancras and Euston Station for without an idea know. where they were going. I'm, I'm certain. <laughs> I've heard some people just packed a bag and said, "Let's get out of London." This train takes us where we're going. Do you think? Exactly. If it terminates yeah. at Derby, well, have Merry Christmas, not- Derby. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain that's how some people done it. Shed a tear for me though, because I was actually meant to be spending Christmas and New Year in Cuba and Jamaica. You're and- lying. Ooh. Oh, that's Ooh. brutal. Okay. And- and instead, that's, instead you have uh, you have Tier Four London. That's real. Tier Four London, Cuba honestly. and Jamaica. Yeah, the pain. That was a pain. real holiday you booked. It wasn't even a quick overnight stay in Europe because no, we're not allowed in anymore like that anyway. That's another <laughs> conversation. Um, you really did long haul plans. Yeah, no. Um, <sighs> yeah, a real shame. A real shame. It was meant to fly out to Cuba, I think, on uh, Christmas Eve, I'm and then sorry. spend a few days in Jamaica over the New Year, back to Cuba, and then back to London. But um, yeah, a man plans his ways, the Lord directs his footsteps. So, so yeah, that's that, that's how it's panned out. But um, don't worry, 2021, provided that... Um, God willing. Travel, yeah, Lord willing. Um, loud Lord willing. <laughs> yeah, we shall, we shall um, return to our kind of Caribbean endeavours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess um, we have been... We've just started in the last episode a new series on life in lockdown. Um, and we've been looking at um, the church and shout out to Gabby and Mary and Kingsley who were on the first episode. I thought it was a really, yeah. really, um, really, really great episode to listen to. And kind of in keeping with that theme um, about the church and our place in it, this week we're going to be looking at um, church membership. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but certainly church membership as a kind of a concept, a construct to me when I first became a believer was quite different to how I'd considered it maybe growing up having been to church. Because I maybe I'd have, I'd have conceived as church membership as, you know, the church just has your details. 
Um, and by virtue of you kind of attending semi-regularly, you're a member. Um, but I think maybe as we kind of go on to unpack in today's discussion, it might entail more than that, or it does entail more than that, certainly. Um, and more than just having your address details and stuff like that. But I don't know, maybe I, maybe I should kind of take a step back and just kind of ask what were your kind of, what have been your experiences um, throughout your kind of Christian life of church membership? Is it something that has been very structured for you in, in your kind of previous church experiences or was it quite loose? So we can, can maybe use this as a bit of a precursor to the conversation that we'll, we'll go on to have. I think um, in my case, um, membership was basically informal growing up uh, in the Pentecostal church. It was like, you knew who the members were and you actually knew who the sort of like, uh, like frequent attenders who weren't necessarily involved in the life of the church outside of the Sunday worship. And so, but that, you know, that's, that's the kind of, those are the kinds of lines that were drawn over time um, and just being rep repeatedly exposed to, to the community. But there was never, I don't know, there was, there was never a members meeting, right? There was never um, joint decision-making. It was right. always the, the pastor leadership team have decided to do this. We're going to pray and fast about it. Um, but it was, so I, I don't think, and I mean, I think I will get into this a little bit, but there weren't really any of the perks of, of membership that we might now associate with membership, even right. though there was, I think, some informal sense of membership there. Perks, you said perks, and I just started thinking of like a Starbucks card or like, where you get this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, six coffee free. I'm wondering what the equivalent would be in a certain setting. Um, Gabby, how would you explain your your um, church membership experience? Yeah, uh, Loki, my experience was on the well, not on the Italian end of the spectrum, but a bit on the okay. wild side of the spectrum. So, um, some of my earliest this is actually trauma. So, guys, sorry, it's triggered. Oh, right, okay. Some of my earliest church experiences, like I grew up in a, um, a slightly problematic um, church. Um, yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, and church membership. Some of my earliest church experience memories are like people getting what we call backbenched now. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, 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 for real. So like the kind wow. of church you're up in, like you know, women wear skirts and head covered, and obviously you know there's reasons to go back, but that's the kind of context thinking about. But yeah, people that Loki was always previously pregnancy. Someone got pregnant, you were sitting on the back bench off the praise and worship team on the back bench. Oh, yeah. That kind of that kind of church discipline, and right. um. Yes, I remember being like 11, 12 and seeing people on the backbench at church being like, they're in trouble. They're <laughs> <laughs> in trouble. Um, obviously, so it was there like a, a literal like place for them to sit in the They, they literally sat on the back. But no, okay, I was wow. in members meetings, so I don't know whether it was a thing. You're naughty okay. and now you go and sit on the back bench. But right, right. Coming, being 12, 13 and coming into church, people were sat on the back row of the church. That's a right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, they, you know, before they were doing the solo on the praise and worship team, doing the come to the altar song at the end of the service, and now they're no mm, longer on the praise mm, and worship team and they're on the back yeah. bench. Um, mm. So that's kind of my earliest memory. That's a bit of a wild memory. I've not thought about, thought about that for a while. So that's kind of my earliest memories. Fast forwarding, I've, I've worked in a few different churches. So for a while I was at All Souls, which is an Anglican church. They don't have anything close to anything resembling membership. Um, okay. kind of have electoral role but that's you know it's getting into a different kind of conversation but so I've been in churches that didn't have membership at all and in churches that had very wild very toxic very problematic approaches to membership 
And then praise the Lord in churches that have practiced <laughs> biblical membership. Um, right. And it's actually something that, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, um, yeah, I've been very thankful for various points in my own life and and I've seen the kind of fruits of in, in the lives of, of people around me. So, um, right. yeah, I've had the full range of of membership experiences. Yeah, I would say my, my experience is probably fairly similar to, to Israel's at least maybe until I was like kind of 15, 16, um, where there was, I mean, you could you can certainly call it a kind of a community and you know who the people who were particularly active when it came to certain kind of outreach um, events or um, there were certain responsibilities delegated to individuals. You could point out the aunties and the big mummies and stuff who who were kind of quite vocal. I don't think we ever had a, a, a members meeting per se, um, and yeah, like Israel said, a lot of it seems to be kind of informal. It would flow down, kind of trickle down um, when kind of decisions were being made from the kind of church leadership. But certainly mm-hmm. in terms of kind of the congregation being more involved in whether it's kind of decision making or just kind of <clears throat> understanding the direction of the church. Yeah, that certainly seemed to be um, a much newer concept um, when later on in life came to a church that that does um, attempt to kind of practice a biblical um, mandate for membership. I guess building off of, and sorry if you can keep if you keep hearing this sound in the background. Um, building off of kind of last week's episode, where um, the question was kind of asked from the perspective of somebody who kind of says, you know, look, we're in lockdown. I've been enjoying um, online church for even longer than this year. I've been doing this for ages. What's the what's the What's the necessity for me to kind of leave the comfort of my own home where I don't have to deal with, you know, the um, the, the hustle and bustle of church life, as well as the kind of um, the difficulties that can come with dealing with Christians and church folk. Um, and I think when we're kind of thinking about this question of membership, it's helpful for us to, and I think it was kind of touched on certainly last week, but it's helpful for us to kind of think about, you know, physically, if all things um at this stage were well and we could we could be a part of a church what would what would be our reasons for joining why would you bother joining a church rather than just kind of doing it um at home i would say that um the reason to join a church is uh, i think there's multiple ways to answer it let me actually start by saying that Uh, okay so one one way i think i have two in my mind so far but one way is one answer is that you as a well as a human one you need community to grow and two as a christian you need a spiritual community to grow that part of god's vision for your life as a christian is that the living out of your christian faith occurs in community um Mm -hmm. and so if you say i'm a christian but i participate in online church i don't not official member of a church which means i have no accountability um no sort of um relationship of love and law where i serve a a particular group of people and they can hold me to account i can hold them to account then really you you're trying to live out christianity outside of god's people which is like an oxymoron like is that even the right word oxymoron contradiction in terms maybe i don't know how to say it i think you Something got it fancy. both of them will work yeah. yeah okay okay um but yeah so that's that's not 
that's not the vision. And actually, as when you look through the New Testament, you see um, whenever the fullness of the Christian life is is d- discussed, whether in in the Gospels or in Paul's epistles, it's always assumed in community. As a matter of fact, you know, Jesus Christ, when he speaks to his disciples, um, so in like in his farewell discourse, when he's um, saying that, you know, they will see, the world will see your love for one another and believe in me, like that assumes that the fullness of your Christian discipleship in loving one another assumes a community for you to love one another. Um, even when Jesus Christ speaks to them about what it means to be um, a follower of him, he constantly uses the word you in the plural. He says, y'all, you know, constantly. That's, you know, not that he was from the South or anything, you know. Yeah, I was about to say, what version <laughs> <laughs> well, If it was but Northern, he, it'd say use, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he was saying that because he, there's, the constant assumption is that the Christian exists in community. Um, right. There's no other way of, thinking of the christian life when you actually look in the bible yeah for you um gabby how, how would you kind yeah. of amen add to that buttress um yeah i think i think it's, it's something that you actually can't understate um yeah and i could i could hobby horse soapbox it but i'll try and behave like it, you actually it can't be understated the degree to which yeah the, the bible knows very 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 little of a churchless christian hmm. um like That's from the absolute right jump, I take it. You can have it. I'm not. I, I don't push like that. Yeah, let you have it. I let you have it. I'll expect my monies. I'm joking. Um, yeah, from the absolute <laughs> jump, from the jump, from the jump, God has been saving mm. a people for Himself. Loki. That's one of the the main threads of the Bible. Yeah. If not, like you know, yeah. we're getting onto top three, <laughs> top three friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God has been saving a people for Himself. He didn't save Abraham and say, "Yeah, you're my guy. Let's cut. Let's go." No, He said, "Abraham, I'm going to give you a nation." And we know that Israel, um, or, you know, you work it out how you need to work it out. But Israel fast forwards into the church. Um, God has been mm. saving a people for himself. You know, there was that little phrase back in the day that, like, you know, Christ would have died if it was just you. There was even a song, just for me, just for me. <laughs> he did it all just for me. Now, amen, Christ did die for us as individuals, but he, he didn't die. That's, not the, that's nowhere near, remotely near the end of the story. Remotely. Mm. He died for a people. He died for a church. He died for... Um, yeah, he, to make a people his own. And so to be like, yeah, it's just me. It's just me. It's just me. Yeah, it's, it's actually not workable. Loki is a bit problematic because obviously, like, just you, there's actually things that you don't know. There's certain parts mm. of the Bible that you don't understand. For <laughs> uh, there's certain blind spots you have in your own life. You, you, you never really noticed that you were a bit prideful until your homie said, bro, sometimes you can be a bit, you know, sometimes-ish about that. Or, you know, you never really notice certain things that you struggle with or certain ways that you speak to people or certain things until there are people around you in community who know you and who know God's word, who who are able to speak to you like that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I hear that some people are like, well, I do that. You know, I have my one, two, three, four Christian friends and we discuss Christian things sometimes. And so I have that kind of one another ring that the Bible speaks about Um and 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 that, amen. That's that's a gift from the Lord. But there is something about um, being in community with people that you wouldn't actually choose. Mm-hmm. Most likely, if you're if you're at home watching sermons online and you've got your three four Christians in your group chat, even the closest gang like that you speak to regular, they're people you actually like. They're people you'd pick. You have picked clearly. <laughs> um, they're people that you vibe with. Um, and there is something about being in a community with people who you, you didn't pick. Um, 
yeah, they're not like you. They're at a different age in life, a different stage in life, from a different social, cultural context, since, depending on where you live geographically. You might be a bit mixed congregation like that. Um, yeah, they, they don't vote for the same political party as you. Mm. you would, maybe you wouldn't pick them as your mandem. But these are people that God has given you, A, to love you, and B, for you to learn how to love. And that is part of his work in your life. So even having a community, a Christian gang that you pick as your gang, um, yeah, even that is kind of missing the point of some of what the church church's function um, in our lives is to do. And the last thing for, for me, I cannot... Do you know what? Do you know how thankful I am for people whose job it is to shepherd me? Hmm. Do you, know how, do you know how thankful I am for the man them that I call elders? Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> There's been situations where I'm like, I need to talk to my elder. I need to talk to my mm-hmm. elder. I need to, and, mm-hmm. and praise God for godly... Obviously now, trigger. I know that some people are like, yeah, my elders... And some of the pastors we see in churches, some of the elders we've experienced are messy babes doing very messy things. And, and, are not, and are not worthy of the title elder. And you'd be correct and I'd be here to vote them out perks of church membership, let's vote a brother out because he's not living living up to the calling of which he's put himself forward. Amen. Some guys need to be X'd off the thing. But for guys that actually, um, that are doing this in a serious way, God has given you people that are responsible for helping shepherd your soul. That's their job. That's Mm. what they'll give an account for. They're here to counsel you and pray for you and teach you and, um, yeah, and, um, and support you in life. That's a, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. And to try and do Christian life without um without without those people around you, you're saying no thank you to shepherds that God has imagine the sheep saying, I, I don't need a shepherd. Now obviously we know Christ is the ultimate shepherd, we've got theology together, but Christ has given us under shepherds. And you're mm. saying, I don't need those mandem. Uh well the Bible would mm. Jesus specifically would differ. He says that you need the mandem. <laughs> he says that you need people who who yeah, who he's gonna hold to account for how they've shepherded your soul. Um yeah, and I'm very thankful for them. And most people I know who have got, you know, sh- shepherds that fit the biblical qualifications are very thankful for them. Um, and that's, yeah, you're, you're cutting off your nose to spout your face to, to put yourself in a situation where you don't have access to people like that. Um, yeah. Those are two um, just very, very amazing answers to I'll, hear. I'll step off my, sorry, I got off my seat. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I climbed down. No, it it was fantastic um, hearing both of you. And I think there were kind of threads running through the points that you were making, some to do with um, accountability, um, even the assurance of your faith. Because I think, Gabby, you alluded to it, that, you know, sometimes perhaps a person who thinks they don't need the church um, might might wrongly think they're a Christian. And actually um, that that belief or that, um, how do I say it, that... the the best intentioned person um, may just have a false theology which can be weeded out when they're consistently sitting under um, the the word rightly divided. Um, Perhaps there are sins in their lives that need examination um, from godly counsel in the form of eldership and even fellow believers um, who are laymen that can be challenged. Um, So definitely um, accountability seemed to come through quite strongly, the assurance as well. I guess from my perspective, and I think it's already wrapped up in what you guys have said, so we won't we won't dwell too long on it. I, I think like you guys have already kind of kind of said in, in other words, just the way that your faith can be used to, to build up others. Um I remember hearing probably one of the just the best sermons at uh, um our church retreat 
kind of what was that last summer um by by gabby's pastor and um just being just being um amazed by 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 the, the teaching there from first corinthians um about the use of spiritual gifts and and how thinking that each of us um god has given gifts to each of us um no matter how small how big that can be used to to build up the church and to um to edify other believers in the body and i think it's a, a popular refrain in in kind of hebrews 10 where it's kind of thinking using the terminology of let us let us let us always thinking about that that emphasis on community and how that is used to spur one another one another on um for love and and for good deeds and so it's how the lord has brought you into community not just um you know that you can be encouraged but that you can do some encouraging um and thank god for that and um yeah you guys gave amazing answers on that point so okay so thinking about why we why we join a church then um we we spoke about what our kind of church membership experiences were previously and i think it kind of begs the question is it is it really necessary and i remember when i was thinking about the questions on this particular on this particular episode i had a conversation with some friends um two really great friends of mine over dinner and we were just having kind of that that conversation about you know have you guys settled in a church are you looking um what's the kind of state of play in that and I'm not trying to pry into their life too much but knowing that they've um been in a church previously and have kind of moved on because there were some things that unsettled them and stuff and just hoping that they'd found somewhere that they can kind of call home um and I guess for me I was just kind of I was weary of of them being too um moving around too much without kind of settling anywhere so that they could have that um blessing of accountability and assurance and stuff like that so mm. the question in my mind kind of popped up you know is membership actually like really necessary is it is it is it critical for you as a christian and if so how do you kind of what's the biblical case for suggesting that we need we need one another in the community of church Israel, you so I'm gonna flip it back to you, brother. <laughs> you know what's wild? I was just about I was just about to say, Dami, since you listened to that wonderful talk, I would love to hear you give an answer. But I like that work, Israel. I like that. <laughs> um biblical I think I mean, yeah, church membership um I think obviously shouldn't should be distinguished from like gym membership in the sense that like I don't I don't think we we we're talking about you know I do my due diligence or not due diligence that's not the right phrase I do my I do you know I do what's required I I attend and therefore I get the right to call myself a Christian and um like no one can ever like sort of touch me the way I I you know I pay for gym memberships so I get access to all the equipment it's it's not really that and we've already kind of mentioned the sort of metaphors that we see in scripture that talk about community and accountability. And so church membership, one, is necessary just because we're fallen um, and require that to actually grow, um, not just as Christians, but that primarily, but also just as humans to actually really be all that we are meant to be. Um, but the biblical case for membership, I think, is... Like, you know, and Gabby kind of mentioned this as well, throughout the scriptures from Genesis, um, 
God talks about his covenant work in relationship to a people, um, which obviously assumes a defined limit. So if you look at the Old Testament, the nation of Israel being God's people, you, you that's literally, a, you know, there's a, there's a list of people who are Israelites and people who are not. Uh, there's a way of distinguishing someone who's part of the nation and someone who's outside of the nation. It isn't the kind of like, oh, you know, they kind of are part of Jerusalem, but then they travel off to Egypt. So we're not quite sure if they're an Israelite. It's, it's, it's very clearly defined, those limits. And I think you see the same thing in the church that's a continuation of Israel um, in that there's an assumed number, just I think in, in the language used, language used in specific, specifically Acts onwards and, and in the letters. So when in Acts 2, um, I think it was, was it 3,000? I'm trying to remember the number. 3,000 were added to them. Let me actually confirm this. We know what you're talking about. We got it. I mean, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah. Something like that. Uh, you know, yeah, so <laughs> Peter preaches, people are cut to the heart, and then Luke in Acts says, and 3,000 were, I'm still checking it out even though I'm speaking. It says 3,000 were added to to the number that day. Um, that, I think, is not just there were, you know, 3,000 people who, who, would, who all had an emotional reaction. I actually think it was 3,000 people who committed to be part of the community. Um, and I and I think the evidence for that actually continues near the end of Acts 2 when Luke sort of describes the fellowship and says that, you know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, um, to the breaking of bread, well as their prayer. Um, there's one other thing. But like he, he lists, these are the things that they committed themselves to doing, um, to, to essentially to worshiping, to serving one another, to using their spiritual gifts. So this is all in Acts chapter two, specifically at the end of Acts chapter two that you can check out. But this this the constant assumption here is that these are defined number of people who have committed themselves to a particular community, um, having become Christians. This isn't a group of people who just had a, like a, who went to a concert, you know, had a, like an emotional experience and then said, well, I'm going to go back home and do my thing. Um, and again, that, that, that continues in, in Paul's letters when he writes to churches, um, he's writing to a particular community. Um, and there's, I think as first Corinthians five, where he says um, there's someone who's essentially sleeping with their stepmother and says, he says to, to the church, you need to excommunicate them, take them out of the church so that they can seek repentance and then welcome them back in. Now that is really assuming, you know, that there is a defined community for someone to leave. Um, and so we right. express that with the word membership. Now the word membership doesn't appear in the scriptures in in that in the sense that we're using it but all we're doing is using a word to describe a concept that does appear in the scripture um is that there's there is a very concise defined community in the nation of israel in the old testament in the church in the new testament that we should then subscribe ourselves to so when we think about the 21st century and we think about london um or st louis and we say i want you know you should be part of a church we're saying you should be a committed person who's involved in the specific community who submits to that community and their leadership. Actually, I'll end with that. The leadership part as well. So, you know, first Timothy, second Timothy, um, first Peter, second Peter, you have language and Titus, you have language about elders now, which 
again assumes a particular community and a defined community that this person is your pastor um and uh, presumably the pastor at Galatia is not the pastor of the church in Ephesus so it's a specific group that they have um leadership over which I think again creates that a biblical case for why there is a specific set of people who have committed to fellowship with one another in a you know geographical area mm. I just want to say I love how you reference London so affectionately um, <laughs> I look forward to look forward, look forward to being you back. <laughs> yeah, brother. Likewise. Uh, working on it, working on it. Working yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, anything to add on that? Um, no, I think I think that's the biblical case. Of, there were there were kind of um, biblical concepts and well, yeah, biblical theology to have in place. Like, yeah, what what is the pattern that we see from from Genesis to Revelation and into eternity? There is a people. But then there are specific texts, and one Israel mentioned one of the ones that are really helpful, 1 Corinthians um, 5. For anyone that's trying to do that, a bit of study and think about it, it's 1 Corinthians 5, really the whole chapter, but really from verse 9 to verse um, uh, 11. The other text that is often referenced is Matthew 18, um, and it really just underlining what Israel said. It's kind of the situation where if, if a brother sinned against you, you go and you talk to him, and um, if he says, oh, you're right, and I'm so sorry, please do forgive me and I'm going to go and repent. Then you've won a brother and you're cool. You leave it there. If he's like, nah, that's not an issue. I don't know what you're talking about. Da, 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 da. Then you go and you bring somebody with you. If he's still not having it, you bring someone from the church leadership. And if he's refusing to repent, so this is if someone is in unrepentant sin. Um, and this is not a short process. Yeah, I've been in situations where we've had to walk through this in the life of the church. It's very, it's, 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 a, it's a grievous process. It's a heartbreaking thing. But if someone in his, someone is in sin and it's clearly sin, and they're like, yeah, it's sin, and that's what I'm doing. Don't at me. Um, yeah, then the process given to us in, in Matthew 18 is to is to put them out of the church. And as Israel said, to put somebody out of something suggests that they were in something to right. begin with, that there's a clear, defined line around those people who are um, who are a part of this church um, that they are then removed from. Now, ob- now, 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 tr- again, many trigger warnings. That has been used in very wicked and unhealthy um, ways. Um, mm. And I think if you are in churches, or if you've had that experience, like, that is, yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, like, yeah, my church experience growing up, people getting backbenched and them kind of things, which is like, a, mm. they have to publicly embarrass and shame people yeah. for things that yeah, it just didn't need to be handled like that. That that There's no doubt in my mind that there's, we've ever been in churches or some of us even still in churches where these kind of things are used in very manipulative and wicked ways. There's no mm. doubt about it. And, you know, at us, if that's you, and we can have another conversation. Um, but but there is a healthy use of that. And the healthy use of that is to make clear to that person that the way that you're living is not befitting of a believer. And that if that's how you're going to choose to continue living in unrepentant sin, then you should have no confidence to call yourself a Christian in the hope that there's a hope here, in mm. the hope that the person would feel the weight of their sin, that the church kind of making that loud noise saying like, look, bro, you can't, you actually can't keep living like this in the hope that they would come to repentance. And so the the, the joyful conclusion to this process is to welcome somebody what's repenting back into membership. Um, and also on the other hand, to protect the church. I've been in situations where, um, yeah, where, where someone's living in a certain pattern of unrepentant sin and the church is a bit quiet about it, not really 
at least especially we've probably been in situations where there's someone in leadership even and the church is not really saying nothing and everyone's really talking about it and we all know what's really going on and nobody's really saying anything and then the rest of the church starts to think oh maybe it's calm then to do that maybe it's a calm thing that we that we be living like that and you see that pattern of sin start to replicate itself in the rest of the church really to protect the church it's right to remove that person and make clear that this is not appropriate behavior so i think um yeah matthew 18 and uh, 1 corinthians 5 are kind of the biblical cases um there's others, but and yeah, and just the whole pattern of scripture um, <laughs> or biblical kind of passages to really go and think through. The Bible seems to assume that there's something that I can be put out of, mm. but I'm not in anything. So something's not adding up here. Um, I do want to make a distinction, though, between um, convictions about membership and convictions about going to church. Go ahead. They, they are, I feel like they are slightly different things. Someone that's like, I'm not really at a church. I'm not really settled. I'm visiting this church. I'm not really going to that church. Sometimes I'll go here. Sometimes I'll go there. I'm gonna ha- I want to have a different conversation with that person than the person who's been at a church for 15 years but not a member. Mm. Um, mm. I think the first one, yeah, the full force of the conversation needs to be felt. <laughs> you, need to, you, need to, you need to be a part of a church family. Um, Satan... Satan is actually out here wilding out in the streets. Like he's, he, he hates God. He hates anyone who will trust in God. And one of the most excellent ways he knows to, um, to slowly, j- j- bit by bit, slowly, slowly wear down any sense of faith you would have left is to isolate you from the people of God and hearing the word preached. Satan loves Christians that don't know how to get to church. Loves it. Fantastic. Fantastic. You stay at home. That's great. You're all right. You're taken care of. I'll move on to the next. He loves it. Fantastic. You're isolated. No one's really watching your life. Things that you would, you know, you can get away with a few things because no one's really asking you questions. But if you're in church and someone says, how's your week? You might feel convicted to say, oh yeah, it's been a bit of a sticky one. But no one's really asking you. You're isolated. It's a very, very dangerous place for a Christian to be. Um, so that's one conversation. Now the person who's in a ch- yeah, because like I said, Ace Worker churches like All Souls, Anglican churches that don't have membership. Are those people Christians? Yes. Are those people committed to life and community? Yes. Do I think they're missing some very significant steps? Yeah, I do. But I'm not mm. gonna, I'm not gonna fight, fight hand to hand with like that. It's not arm to arm combat to say you man are mashing up church. I think, I think it's very unwise, and I think you're maybe even ignoring some significant parts of scripture. But that's a different energy for the person who's just not at church. Period. I think. I feel free to. Some guys will go hand to hand combat. Maybe I'm just getting old, and in my old age, I just can't have energy. Like that to be fighting Anglicans in the streets. Sorry, that's just my experience of people who don't membership. We love, right. we love the Anglican man, them those that right. the gospel, which is many. Um, but yeah, just different, mem- just different ways of organizing church family. Mm. Do I think there's a right way and a wrong way? Yeah. Um, but if you're in, a, if you're plugged into a church that doesn't have membership, am I going to fight you about that? No, I just think uh, that's not cool, but cool, whatever. That's different energy for someone who's just not church at all. I think. Right, right. But feel free to say otherwise. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't disagree with what you said there, and I think um, it it moves us on to another question that I'll that I'll come to um, afterwards. Um, just on this point, I guess of kind of life and community as well. As you've said, the 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 biblical. Uh, kind of mandate um, certainly when you're thinking about life in community the Lord telling us to love one another um, you hear that um, repeated so many times particularly in the New Testament in the context of um, believers in community and I guess the whole point of us being placed in in the church is we're expressing that love to one another as opposed to kind of doing it from 
are isolated um, isolated points. And it begs the question, really, how can you kind of love someone if you're kind of so distant from them, if you don't want to be involved in their lives in a kind of meaningful way? So whether that's kind of caring for them physically um, and, and caring for them spiritually, uh, whether they're kind of like physically ill or if you know that they're going through a hard time with something, maybe there's an, an area of sin in, your, in their lives that they've expressed to you, but because there's such a, a great distance um, that love can't be expressed in its most kind of meaningful way. Um, as a res- as already kind of been referred to, kind of accountability as well. Um, you you feel the weight of um, the command for us to love one another when you're doing it um, in 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 the context of of, of, of closeness. Um, I think that's the kind of emphasis that you get when you're being told to love someone. There's a there's a there's a small degree of separation, maybe, do I say, um, because so much of your lives are intertwined with one another. And I think that's the, that's how you kind of get the kind of the building up and the, you know, bearing, bearing one another's burdens, etc. because you're so closely and tightly knit, obviously, and that's by the blood of Jesus. So we praise God for that. Um, but to love one another does require that kind of, there's a level of intimacy, should I say, um, that's expressed in, the life of the church. So Gabby, the, the thing that I was saying that we would come on to was, because I think you, you raised it in your response, um, particularly on the second question then is, you're having a conversation with somebody who's, was it the first or the second? Sorry, apologies if I've mixed yeah. the two up. But somebody who's asking, all right, so, you know, how committed do I actually need to be to my church? You know, I can, I can be in church. So I think you used the, the example of somebody who was in a church for 15 years, but had never um, signed up for church membership, should I say? You know, had hadn't made a kind of formal commitment to be under the tutelage and spiritual shepherding of um, these particular elders in their church. Um, and I guess they're they're kind of looking at it from say, so, you know, do I? You know, I can I can go to church and I can do church and I can love people. Um, I can be near to them and have you know, um, I, do do I actually need to be? You know, does my attendance or the regularity with which people see me need to be kind of documented and observed and perhaps i'm making it sound very kind of formulaic like you know like you have form classes where mm. and you've got a form class maybe i'm kind of making it sound um far more it's funny yeah <laughs> but do you know what i mean like somebody's kind of looking at it and just going do you know is it that deep yeah, is it that deep? I need to be in a church form group. Yeah, yeah do I? It's called small like, group, and yes. Okay, okay um, so just to be clear, that 15, 15 years in a church, I think I'm think I'm talking about in the churches that don't have membership in the ways that we're discussing. Oh, right, okay, okay, cool. If you're in a church that has membership and you're there every Sunday, <laughs> you're, not, you're not a part of the membership. Yeah, I think my pastor would, would, would have something to say if I didn't say you need to, you need to sort that out. Um, mm. Yeah, but is, is it that deep? Um, yeah, I think, I think it is. Um, because certain membership is a safeguard. A, a, we know that the concept is there in scripture, but actually, so first of all, it's you know, there's it's a biblical uh, something to to obey. Again, the passages that we've spoken about, Matthew, one Corinthians. If there's something to be a part of here, um, and so however that's worked out in the life of your church, you need to cooperate with that in in your attempt to obey the scripture, really. Um, uh, yeah, but. So it's it's a safeguard in the sense of um, these are people who are responsible for shepherding your soul. Um, both, yeah, kind of similar things, maybe to what I said earlier. 
um, my mind has absolutely gone blank. So I'm going to pass the book to Israel and I'll jump back in. When my no worries, no worries. <laughs> is, is it that deep? Yeah, all good. Uh, is it that deep? Is it that deep? Like, <laughs> when, when all is said and done, like, can I not just kind of live my Christian life attending church regularly, serving in some capacity, giving from time to time? Um, mm-hmm. and, and just I think, being yeah. in without necessarily being a committed member. I think the the qualifier committed it says a lot naturally that that that's going to be important here. Um because I mean one of the one of the main th- fruits of being a member just in and of itself is beyond the accountability that it gives you and the opportunity it gives you to be um the accountable person to another uh is that you get to be involved in the actual ministry of the church. So I know this this varies from church to church, but presumably you get to actually have a say in terms of like budgetary um, requirements and uh, plans for the next next fiscal year. And, you know, all these sorts of who do we um, elect to be a deacon, um, sort of the lay eldership board, all these kinds of decisions um, are decisions that are, had in conversation within membership within members of a church uh so beyond that i think being a committed member therefore assumes that you also now want to actually pour into the life of the church as opposed to just being a recipient of the ministry of the church so your attendance is almost like the the floor of membership um it's it's a necessary part but it's the beginning not the end by any stretch of the imagination um and so to to pour into the life of the church and to be a resource to those in the church and those outside the church as a member of the church is to, for example, you mentioned this, Dami, but to use your spiritual gifts to say, oh, you know, uh, I have musical talents that could help in the worship of the church. I should I should give that, uh, speak to the music worship director. What does that mean for me to, can I help play the drums? Um, things like that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> your preferred style of worship <laughs> uh, um but also you know I, and and i and i say this for 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 folks that are of the ilk like dami um it also does include like using your 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 business gifts as a as a gift to the church it is a one of the things i've really found fascinating in the us and i think it's it's in the uk to an extent but I haven't studied the US, the UK church, I think, as extensively. So I want to be cautious there. But there's a very real like culture, especially in in southern churches, where um, Christian business people who um, really want to be involved in the church and don't necessarily um, want to be like you know in vocational ministry will reach like substantially train to become lay elders. And so you can actually find in a lot of I think you know theologically orthodox relatively medium to large sized churches that you have lay elders who are theologically trained but are like full-time investment bankers they own their ceo of some pharmaceutical company and they've said you know i've got an mba from you know generic university and all the things i've been learning in my workplace actually could be a benefit to the church and even something as you know quote unquote secular or what can I think appear to a lot of people is not relevant to the church. Something as organizational structure and management actually frees the church up to do more. If you can help 
provide some infrastructure, you could probably increase the capacity of the volunteers, um, mm. of the, the the ministers and the deacons. And that actually is a way in which you can serve the church. Um, now, obviously that requires commitment. That's where the word committed member comes into because it means you're going to sit in a lot of meetings. You're going to pour your energy and your time and your intellectual capital into the life of the church. But you're doing all of that because you're not just a member of the floor, but you're you're seeking to actually build up um, God's people by using your specific skill set to serve others. I, um, I should probably I, add in, um, yeah, go, go on. No, I was, was going to add say, in I, generosity. It's almost making pitch from giving. I will leave you to go, bro. <laughs> that was, yeah, that just came, literally just came to mind. I was like, that, yeah, generosity, giving financially, um, is a way of moving beyond a, being a recipient, you know, but to actually contribute to the life. And um, that includes giving primarily, firstly, I should say, to your local church for which you're a member, but then giving to ministries like Black Berea. Um, <laughs> and- Amen. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> Gabby, did you, did you get your point back? I have my, yeah, I have. But have you finished your pitch? I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to throw in the Blackberry pitch. I don't want to. Yeah, we need to get our cash app together, guys. Um, uh, Anyway, next. um, uh, Yeah, I think. Yeah, is it necessary? Um, Yes, Um, and I think the Mm. word. I'm trying to figure out with the language most succinctly to summarize it, and I think it is accountability. Because obviously, you can be in a church for years. Give when you got mm-hmm. spare cash, or give when it, not even that to be a little like give regularly, um, pray regularly, come to prayer meetings and be in. But the the issue is on the day that you're out, no one can say anything to you. The day that you stop coming to church, obviously relationally, you've got relationships here, you've got um, yeah, real deep relationships here, but there's no actual. You've not signed any paperwork <laughs> to the effect to say. That um that I give my permission, I give my permission to my elder, to my church family to come and seek me out when I'm actually struggling. Um now obviously you can mm. do that without the paperwork, but there's you can, but there's a there's a limit to that. Um I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I, I think I understand yeah. what you're um, yeah. and so yeah. I think it's it, it's a level of you're involved, but at the level to which you're comfortable to be involved. And that's and that's a good thing. When you're in a good place, when you're not in a good place, when you're struggling, when it's hard to pray, when it's distant from church, you want your people to come and um, come and seek you out. You want people to be able to come around you and support you to know what's going on. Now, obviously, they can do that without membership, but there's actually an obligation on people to do that when membership is in place. It's 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 for you to be accountable to the church, but also on the flip side, um, for you to hold your leadership to account. Um, yeah, like if you're a member of a church, you, you, the the leadership serves you. Like service in a church Christian context is leadership in a church context is service. The the leadership serve you, well, ultimately serve Christ and serve the means the ends of the gospel. But they're here to they're here to work on your behalf. They spend money on your behalf, as Israel mentioned. But they use their time on your behalf. Um, and so yeah, so in situations where an elder is acting in a way that's inappropriate as a member of the church family um yeah that if it if it gets to that point there's the space for actually for you to hold your leadership to account and therefore to weed out if there are as as we know like toxic behaviors to weed that stuff out um which if you're not a member you can't hold people to the account in the same way um mm. 
any account, any account that the individual is held to or that the leadership is held to or that the church family is held to is voluntary. And so mm. in the day that you say, I opt out, no, no one can really, can really say anything to you. Whereas if you are a member, there is, yeah, you've, in most situations, you've signed some sort of family covenant or <laughs> some sort of family contract, agreement yeah. to say, yeah. actually, these, these are the tenets by which I live by. And I give my permission to my church family to hold me to these things and to call me to repentance to these things. And I commit to holding my church family to these things and to holding them to repentance for these things. It's not only that I'm going to love people like this, but it's an expectation that this community is going to love me like this. I'm mm. going to hold my elders to these standards and they're going to they're, and they're going to seek to hold me and shepherd me and love me to these standards. Um, which, obviously, if you're there as and when you feel like, the day that you don't feel like, you can actually cut, which is not best for you. It's actually not best for you. Um, or for the church family or for the leadership. I think it's accountability that makes it the necessity, really so much um encouragement in these words and rebuke to me um the next question was going to be i'm looking at i'm looking at the time so yeah no no no. we're going to try and end it within the hour but i'm just looking at it and i'm just thinking you know kind of what category of church member are you and i'm thinking back to that 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 fateful evening where I I took what's called in my church the right hand of fellowship, mm-hmm. and yeah. thinking back to the words that we um that we expressed to one another as like people came through and shook your hands, and thinking back to those kind of membership classes, and I'm I don't think I'm here saying that, you know I haven't done my um level best to to try and uphold um those words, but it's thinking more so like as Gabby's speaking, it's it's going, it's the commitment that yes, people have made to you and what's the commitment that you've made to them to see somebody kind of dealing with things and um, seeking them out and trying to engage them and encourage them or when necessary to rebuke them um, and and leaning in and pouring in, giving, um, whether it's financially or just time. Um, like I'm not here saying that I haven't done that at all, but I was just kind of thinking, you know, have, when you look at your church experience, and this is a question I guess everybody who's listening to this should be asking themselves: Are you the kind of reluctant person um, that that kind of attends church and and um, you know, as soon as the service is done, you're out. It's boom, just it's a quick one, like um, and and so therefore church relationships um, or your membership might you it might in one sense, and you guys correct me if you, if you think I'm kind of straying here it, it feels almost transactional like like you said you're almost kind of there to receive but not pour into um and i guess that's that's the kind of way along the lines which i was just wondering kind of you know and i'm putting this question out there to everybody who's listening rather than to you guys because we haven't got much time just kind of think about how you would characterize the life your life as a church member um and particularly in this time where we're coming out where we're still in a panoramic um but eventually lord willing we'll be coming out of it <laughs> panoramic panoramic and yeah like coming out of this time um the question was asked on on a few episodes ago you know how will i come back into church um will i come in the same will i come in differently Hmm. to how I left at the start of the pandemic, essentially, is the question that Hmm. we can be asking ourselves at this time. How can I make sure that I'm kind of more, without necessarily signing up to more things, um, and by that I mean like, you know, contracts, whatever, documents, how can I become a more fully-fledged member to the glory of God in my church? 
And what does that look like for me in terms of serving um, the people um, that I do this with daily, weekly? Um, how can I avail myself in terms of my gifts or my resources? So kind of Israel spoke about financial aid as well. Um, it's a really important question, I think, because perhaps one of the things that the, the pandemic has, has shown this year is the comfortability with which we've been doing church life. And now that has been rocked for about a year, essentially, people are realizing, one, well, how fundamental the church was to them, but kind of two, how, yeah, how much, how much they miss it and how much more they wished they could have done, could be doing. Um, because it really exposes in a time like this, the, the myriad of ministries with which you could be involved in, or the, the just the different people groups in your church that you could be serving. Mm. Um, and a time like this is very, very, I think, important, critical for us to be considering um, in light of that. All right, last bit, um, because we're going to try and bring this in under an hour. And this has been a great conversation, um, which could extend for, for hours on end. My church doesn't have an established culture of discipleship. Mm. Mm. Here's my sensibility. I don't know what you guys think about this. I want to start by actually saying I, th I feel like that phrase is a little bit stronger than is the intention culture of discipleship or doesn't have a culture of discipleship when i think of culture i think you know the very sort of um assumed experience of people in the church and i think by definition a church is a disciple making institution um mm. if no less even just the preaching of right. um the word on a sunday by sunday basis is an act of discipleship right um prayer is an act of discipleship um even just community but I, I don't think they mean that you know there's no one preaching at my church we don't pray right. Right. <laughs> we don't you know maybe that it's being envisaged in the sense that there perhaps is like you know somebody who's more senior than you in the faith can I, if i can use that term who's been yeah been longer um, so I, and you can kind of go mm -hmm. to my guess is that it'd be something like a an established program of discipleship right, that okay. there is um yeah like you said like there's a designated person who i reach out to or who i have one-on-one -on -one, uh like bible studies with or that could be like we have a tuesday bible study um where we go through books of the bible um there's different versions of programs but um basically that all encompassing like there's a there's a specific <clears throat> there's a specific event activity uh structure that i can choose to enter wherein i can learn more and i can grow um and i think in that situation uh i mean i don't know how else given everything that we've said i don't know how else to respond but to say part of membership is that you are also that the leadership and the church is accountable to you so you know book a meeting with your pastor and say here's this, what i sense is happening in the church and would love to know more would love to hear how if there is already a plan in place that maybe i just missed which could be the case or if there isn't you know i do think that our church should take this more seriously um, I would say if that meeting, and it's against the hypothetical, if that we meeting were to happen, there should be a, at least a 75% willingness to take up the task-ish. Um, 
as a form of being a member of the church and serving um i yeah that's that, that's my like my initial response um what do you guys yeah, think yeah i'm with you um certainly on the, uh, well on on the points that you've made but i was just kind of thinking um the particular emphasis you made on uh discipleship not just being um kind of like one on one kind of coaching or tutelage um, that actually you can experience because I think that the aim of discipleship is kind of your spiritual growth um, mm. and and that is something that is a byproduct like you said of sitting under kind of expositional preaching of of sitting across from one another from from other Christians and having your kind of thoughts on life and your experiences being challenged so that you're being sharpened in your understanding of the word um, it's 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 serving like financially it's giving it's it's prayer um joining up whether they're corporate prayer meetings um certainly yeah, that would that would be one of the ways in which your your growth is being um um strengthened so yeah we don't just have to consider discipleship in the in the frame of having um although of, of course the, the bible makes the case for that you know kind of um elderly women um kind of teaching younger women and older men teaching younger men that there, there is that there are relational aspects to discipleship that we shouldn't undermine, um, but we shouldn't only exclusively consider discipleship in those in those terms. Um, Gabby, do you have anything to add here? Because we're gonna we're gonna round it up. So. Yeah, I'll be quick. I think yeah. I think it's a really interesting question, and I think I think it maybe it does look a bit different for women. I think women um, maybe access have 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 a more limited access to some of the formal ways that discipleship happens usually in my experience that that kind of we're going to sit down and read the bible one-to-one with each other i'm gonna usually that happens with men with, with men and often with men who have some sort of foreseen ministry potential um now that's a very sweeping statement i appreciate um but i think so a it can feel a bit less accessible to women in that is there a woman on the staff team or even a woman who's equipped or skilled in that way to come alongside another woman in a one-to-one or small group sense and read the bible with her and be mm. really challenging her and her godliness and her walk with the lord and challenging her in love and and loving on her that's actually quite quite a rare dynamic and obviously for lots of reasons a lot of men will feel uncomfortable having that relationship with a woman so even mm. when those more official structures are available um, the people doing the work, doing the one-to-one ing, are often men, which means that women are going to have limited access to that. So, so yeah. So in short, I hear the question is a real question. It can feel, um, I think, it, it hears a bit differently for men and women. And even when there are things in place, men and women may have different access to those kind of structures. Um, and so I think, so I think that comes around to Dami's point about, um, yeah, discipleship. Yeah kind of thinking specifically about women it sometimes it is that you know praise god i'm in a position to do that you know sometimes it is that one-to-one come alongside home visit kind of life but but for most of us it will be the relational the relational life of the church with just older godly mature christians and that and and that's nothing to overlook like um yeah it's, it's not the common thing for people to do one-to-ones the common thing is to live life in the life of the church and to have real relationships with lots of people across the life of the church, especially people who have been walking with the Lord for for years, mm. yeah, that that's that's actually a real blessing. And because those people, it's interesting they may they may not sit down and one on one you and talk about the the melodic line of the Book of Ruth. They may not do that. But what they will do whilst they're whilst whilst you're in their house and they're cooking food is talk to you about how they've had to trust the Lord and what that's looked like. 
and how you know when when that when that when their partner died this many years ago they've been single for the last 27 years and what that looks like and 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 they disciple you in life and again we come back to it this is what it means to be in the life of the church to have relationships now obviously we can have gang gang we can have peer group gang and we're at a similar stage and we're kind of struggling with the same things, gang, gang. asking the same questions, gang, gang. <laughs> and, so, and there was a certain amount of, praise God, a certain amount of Christian relationship and love and almost like peer mentoring, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that can happen at that level. But there is something absolutely blessed about um, being in the life of the church where there's, there is that generational interplay and, and people have just been walking with the Lord longer than you. And they know mm. what it is. I've, I've been really blessed to say, I know that I can trust the Lord because the scriptures are clear about that. Trust God. You can trust God with your life. And I'm hope and it's right to stand on the word of God and trust and trust him because he said he's trustworthy. It's a, it's an additional lo- layer of blessing when you're talking to a sister that's 97 and saying, I trust the Lord um, because the scriptures tell me so. And I've seen his hand in my life for the past X amount of years. Mm. Um, there's a lady in my church that got married in our church in the year that my mother was born. I said, wow, okay, that's a long time. That's actually a long time, sis. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, and this is a part of the blessing of being a, a part of the church, being in the life of the church. Mm. Um, no, I'm not like, please, I'm, I'm watching the clock. I'm aware. Like, um, no, it's cool. like, <laughs> I, am, I am now, I'm, no, I'm nobody. I'm the last person to undermine the value of one-to-one, um, let's read a book together, let's work through this Bible text together, let's work on the passage together, let's apply it to our lives. That is valuable and important. And if there's opportunity for that in your church context, grips that up, take it, go for it. Become one of those people who can sit with somebody else and say, let's look at the structure of this book together. But even more than that, become a be around Christians and become a Christian who can share your life. And God willing, if your life is such that you're walking with the Lord, you you can talk about the book of Ruth as you're walking together, not just when you sit down with your highlighters. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it as we're going. Let's talk about what these truths mean for our lives as we go about life together, which is a which is I think been the, been the case for most Christians, um, and is where a lot of the the real life on life, the real how will I trust the Lord? It's where a lot of that will happen, um, and also praise God for the one to ones. Can I quickly throw in a quick? Please yeah, do. go ahead, go ahead. I saw yeah. you raise the hand, so you might as well. Oh, how um, civilised. Virtual, put your hand up. Actually, I just wanted to, quickly to, to make a point about even the word discipleship. Um, just, I think, again, not knowing what the, the, the questioner has, has in mind, but really, I want, would like to advocate for a little bit more of an expanded view of discipleship. Mm. Um, kind of using, so... I, I think of it along the lines of like the threefold sort of aspects of, uh, I guess, the human experience or the Christian experience of like head, heart, and hands. Um, so it's not, again, and I think we tend to limit it to like an intellectual one on one Bible study, which is certainly a, a necessary feature, but it isn't just that. And as Gabby mentioned, there are communal elements, there is spiritual growth. I think both of you mentioned that. Um, but it's, so I think of it as it includes the the head, which is an investigation into the scriptures and session to commit yourself to study, um, but it includes the heart, a devotional experience uh, where we commit ourselves to the spiritual practices of the church, um, prayer and community and accountability and so on, um, and includes hands, uh, active engagement that actually part of what it means to become a disciple of Jesus Christ is to actually 
live a life and act accordingly um, like a disciple. Um, and so the, the typical assumption here is that like evangelicals tend to be heady, like your Pentecostals or your like high church Anglicans are, you know, devotional and like your social justice warriors are the one who say to be a true Christian is the one to like, you know, it means to go out and to serve the needy. And obviously it encompasses all three. Mm. Um, and so I would say when you think about culture of discipleship, um, think of it as a, in an, in and as expansive. Wow. That's a lot of ease. Or <laughs> that's a lot of, what's the word? Vowels. In and as ex, ex, um, expansive view as Sorry. possible. I can't, I can't even do it. Yeah. You're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it. I'm just going to bow out like that. But yeah, just that I'm expansive done. view would be, would be, I think it's really what we should be pushing for. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, in as an expensive. This is why you right. make... Let me let me show how it's done. <laughs> right. just, let me casually yeah, show off. Let me just sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, that brings us to the end of our time. <laughs> this has been this has been great. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Um anything else you want to kind of say, wishing people ahead of, of Christmas at the end of 2020, what has been no doubt a um a, a weird and wonderful year altogether. Um I'll let you guys say say your bias. Because this will be the last time you hear us, I guess, until twenty twenty one. That's real. That's so real. Thoughts: Jesus is alive. Praise the Lord. Amen. Many are the plans in a man's heart, mm. but it is the Lord's will that will prevail, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing yeah. that the Lord's will prevails because He's good. And my plans, yeah, they'll they get blown in, blown away in a moment. Train ticket books mm. and what? But God is good. <laughs> God is good, and His plans. Praise the Lord that we know the ones whose plans do stand. His plans are never blown away. He's mm. sovereign in every moment. Um, and that's no doubt. It's been a rough year for a lot of us. Uh, but God is good. And, and alongside being good, he's also very sovereign. And mm. that's something we can take comfort in. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, the altar call is open. Jokes. <laughs> the, cue the Hillsong music. Yes. Right, cool. <laughs> cool, cool. No, I just had a, I just had a vision of Israel on the drums, just, just slightly. <laughs> what well, actually Loki plays the drums? You joke about it, but I'm sure someone told me the other day that Israel actually plays the drums. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a drummer, drummer. Um, I didn't yeah. know this. I can't let the Blackberry listeners know this. Israel's a drummer, oh, drummer. Wow. I'm pretty sure it's drummer, drummer. Really. I haven't played in a while. So let me. Let me what's happening, Israel? I, I, I played for my parents' church growing up, and uh, yeah, so that's I know a training the, ground. A gospel. Yeah. Ch- oh, the, let me. The Black Church is the way to. To learn, to learn something and the drums. <laughs> ah, honestly, man. Yeah, yeah. Israel, that's a, that's a fun fact. That could have been in your two choose and a lie, and I would have said that's a lie. No, no. Israel plays the drums. Plays plays the drums. Okay. Hey, anyway. Uh, yeah. Thank you both Merry for joining us. Merry Christmas, guys. Um, Merry Christmas. And, um, we hope you have a happy new year. We'll see yeah. you, Lord willing, on the other side of 2020 and into 2021. So for now, I've been Dami. I've been Israel. I'm not constrained. I said I've been. I I continue to be. Your past tense. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really awkward way to end a podcast. So we're just going to cut it here. Bye. Peace.